You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When it comes to some of the most popular families in Kansas City sports, the name Rush comes to mind. And Brandon Rush, Kareem Rush, and Jerron Rush have all done wonderful things in the sport of basketball. Kareem Rush, though, has done something no one else has done in his family. He's played ball with the Los Angeles Lakers. He starred at the University of Missouri, and he may even have a spot coming up on one of the most popular TV shows going on in America today. Here's my conversation with former Missouri Tigers standout Kareem Rush. Well, you're back in Kansas City, man, and and, and you're busy. Busy, busy. Busy. I mean, you go from the NBA to doing all kinds of music and all kinds of other stuff, but like you're like in the in the give back mode now, running academies and boys and girls club stuff. Where do you want to start? Because there's so much to talk about with you. Uh, I mean, I would start with you know what I'm doing here in town. Uh, I, I originally came back to you know build a foundation, you know training academy with my brothers. Uh, you know, the community aspect has always been something that we want to do to give back. It's always important to us. So, you know, why not? You know, what better place to start at home? You know, so initially came back for that. Uh, you know, we were able to secure an amazing partnership with the Boys and Girls Club where we service all, you know, six of their clubs, 4,000 kids. So we provide free clinics, um, you know, camps, you know, building their mentorship program. They have a really cool one called the Sports Lab, which, you know, like I said, not everybody's going to be a professional athlete, but you still may want to be involved in the game in some capacity. So they teach you the ins and outs of, you know, the business of basketball, what it is to be an agent, you know, what the front office people do. So very excited about that partnership. We get inducted to the Boys and Girls of Hall of Fame on the 9th. So that's going to kind of, you know, launch the partnership between us and the club. That's pretty cool. It sounds a lot like what Dayton Moore's doing with the Urban Youth Academy, where they're trying to not only teach kids the game of baseball, but teach them how to be broadcasters or yep. agents or general managers and that kind of stuff. Did you ever think you'd be in a spot where you're teaching kids more about the game, like off the court kind of stuff than that on the court? Absolutely. I mean, because I see myself much more than just a basketball player, uh, you know, especially with all the stuff that I'm doing now. You know, so being able to pass that knowledge on, you know, what I've learned, you know, not only from the basketball court, but also through the business aspect of things that I've been doing, you know, post-career. Uh, it's something that I've always wanted to do. You know, so being able to kind of, you know, fall right into a partnership with the Boys and Girls Club where we can serve so many kids immediately is, is very exciting. And uh, we're ready to make a change, make a difference. Basketball's provided you with so many different opportunities and so many different just avenues to do so many cool things. You were talking about earlier before we started this about running an academy now yep. down in Oklahoma City. Yep. What are you going to be doing with that? Uh, like you said, basketball. Basketball has been a gateway to all my dreams. And, you know, when I was a little kid, I always envisioned having, you know, a prep academy where we trained kids and, you know, and brought them up through the ranks and, you know, like I said, been, be those mentors. So two weeks ago, uh, a guy who randomly hit, hit me on uh, on Facebook that wanted to do some of my marketing material for the, the, KU, the KU Emu game I'm putting together this, this summer, uh-huh. he's like, man, I, had, I got a really cool, you know, academy that I'm building. Uh, you, you having, a, you know, the, the, your background, would you be interested in coming and be a part of, you know, of the team? I'm like, absolutely. So. Talks, talks kept going on. He, he offered me to be CEO, you know, of Academy. So uh, here we are. I went down to Oklahoma City last week, checking out, you know, housing and you know the facilities, and uh, it's an amazing opportunity for me. Like I said, never envisioned it happening so soon, uh, and especially not Oklahoma City, but. You know, you know, it's a good place to start, and you know, we got we got a good opportunity to do some great things and eventually bring to Kansas City in a few years. All right, well, let's go back to when you were in high school. You were in high school at a very unique time in Kansas City when it came to recruiting basketball and, yeah. and all that, <laughs> and, and and obviously being kind of at the forefront of it, the first family of Kansas City basketball. You were recruited by a lot of places. Decided ultimately to go to Mizzou. You didn't go to UCLA and follow Jerron. You decided to go to Mizzou. Why'd you decide on that? Uh, I was sold. If you'd asked me my junior year uh, where I was going, I was I would definitely said UCLA. 
Uh, but that senior year allowed me to finally get a chance to be my own man and, and build my own my own name in the game of basketball. Because up to that point, I was always Jerron's little brother. Regardless of how good I was or whatever, you know, whatever I've done, Jerron was always the focal point. So you know, after I got that first year of you know start on my own, I was like, man, I'm not going to play with him again. I don't want to be a younger brother no more. And then uh, didn't think about Mizzou really until I got a chance to meet Quinn. You know, Quinn came in the house, and you know, me and him shared the same birthday. You know, so we had you know we thought of, you know a lot of like and. You know, he impressed my mom and grandma. They gave me the blessing. And then, you know, I, I chose to stay home, and it was the best decision I, you know, I, I made. I mean, th- and those were fun teams, too, they man. Were. I they mean, even, even as a KU guy, sitting here going, those were fun teams to watch. I mean, you guys were exciting. You guys were fun. It was like the rivalry was back between it you was. guys and Kansas and, and, and stuff. You said never really thought of Mizzou. So if you weren't going to go to UCLA, where else were you thinking? I was looking time? at UConn. I was looking at Duke. Uh, you know, if Jerron would have the KU, I would have been there, too. You yeah. Know, so it, it was it, – like I said, I didn't. Mizzou wasn't really good at the time, and I was looking at more of a big power, power conference, you know, big, a big name team. But you know, like I said, I really you know enjoy what Quinn had to say, and uh, you know, I said it. it rest, rest is history. What What did Quinn say to you that you went, Yeah, I'm, I'm going come to down play there and for let you. you do your thing. Yeah. Like, come out there and uh, we're gonna focus the programs around you. You're my first recruit. And we're gonna build this around thing, thing around you, and that's you know that's what happened. That that is pretty cool that he allowed you to do that. Is that all it really takes in recruiting guys now? Is just say, hey, dude, you can go out there and do whatever the hell you want to do. And guys want to play. Yeah, you, know, you don't want to go to. I mean, in some system, system like going into a KU system, where you got a lot of history. You know, you, you might not go in with that mindset. You just want to go and be a part of the team. But you know, going to a place like Mizzou, when the coach like, yo, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna build this thing around you. You know, that's the ultimate freedom, the ultimate green light that players want to hear. Yeah, and ultimately you're like, that's where I'm going. That's what yeah. I'm gonna do. What What's your favorite story from those? years at Mizzou favorite story uh I mean we had a lot of great time you know still friends to this day with a lot of guys there Keon Dooling uh you know Josh Kroenke uh, I just spoke to Trayvon Bryant uh you know, Josh Kroenke was probably the worst player but probably the most successful one off most of that team right he's yeah <laughs> forever forever <laughs> yeah no out succeeding Josh yeah <laughs> so yeah then Josh is up to a, a million different things now it's crazy to see you know the stuff he's taking over and, and the, the the weight and the show, the responsibilities had with such big organization and big time deals. It's crazy to see, but I mean, my favorite time was you know, it's sad, but we had a chance to go to the Final Four that last year. Mm-hmm. I thought we had we should have beat Oklahoma. Uh, we had an amazing run as a 12 seed. Uh, you know, that, that was that was a good moment. That was a good time there. And then uh, my most memorable game would probably be against Duke. Uh, my sophomore year. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of put us on the map, put me on the map, you know, nationally and as far as a player. So. Uh, but all in all, you know, great times for Mizzou. You know, Quinn Snyder obviously didn't last as long as we all thought he probably would have lasted at, yeah. at, at Mizzou. What was it like playing for Quinn? Because once he left here, man, it was kind of like off the face of the earth for a really yeah. long time. I mean, he had a little black cloud, you know, gray cloud hanging over him, you know, from what happened with the school. But, yeah. you know, playing for him, I mean, he was a cool, he was a players coach, you know, really laid back young. I remember like now looking back when we first got, we first got the job and we first got down to school. We riding around his convertible Mercedes Benz. I'm like, okay, this this dude is cool. He's the man with his hair and stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, then like I can imagine at, at now at 37, I couldn't imagine the responsibility and pressure of being 32 years old head coach in you know, in a major university. So, uh, you know, he had his pitfalls, you know, but he's rebounded amazingly well. Uh, I'm so proud of him to see what he's doing in Utah. Uh, he's always a great coach, great great mind. And um, I'm happy to see him, you know, get back on top. That's funny you say driving around and as, as he's 32 years yeah. old. And you think about him with the hair going oh, everywhere, crazy. right? <laughs> he still got it, but it's, it's a little weathered now. Yeah, he <laughs> looks a little bit older. <laughs> but 15 years ago, Quinn was the pretty boy on campus. And everybody loved him, didn't everybody they? Loved him. Like everybody loved him. He was really like the king, king shit on campus, wasn't hey, he? Yeah, he was. He was a, I mean, 
Everybody loved him. Yeah. I mean, everybody. You know, so. It was easy to recruit at Mizzou then. I mean, easy yeah. to go there, easy to play for a I guy I mean, he had like the pedigree. That. You know, he's a good player. We had pickup games that he could still, you know, go out there and play a little bit. You know, so he was, uh, he was a great coach. Did he ever beat you? Never beat me. No. Did you destroy him? Did he yeah. beat anybody? Never beat anybody. Josh. He probably beat Josh, though. I mean, he only played me. He always challenged me. But he was a good man. He was a McDonald's All-American. So, Quinn was a good player. He, he had some game. You, you know, when, when he was at Mizzou, you guys had it going in the right direction. If, if you could go back to when he was the coach and give him one piece of advice to keep him kind of on the straight and narrow to keep him at Mizzou, what would it have been? Don't get Ricky Clemens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Stay with Ricky Clemens. Uh, but you didn't play with Ricky. I didn't really did play. He, he came in the year after I left. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the NCAA, where everything's going on with it, with it now, you know, with the money and all that stuff, the NCAA is just a, a terrible system. I think it needs to be reformed. You know, so a lot of that stuff that fell out on him was because, you know, of the the stuff that goes on with the NCAA. You know, but I'll tell him, like, just, you know, keep your head up. You know, you're going to go up and uh, have ups and downs. But, he, like I said, he's rebounded very well, and I'm proud of him for Let's that. talk about the NCAA because that obviously is a big topic right now. You said it, it needs reform. We all know it needs reform. You're in charge. What are you doing? You got I mean, I like – what Condoleezza Rice said, that they make some, they make some steps toward the right. But at the end of the day, it's really about the money. That's the elephant in the room. What are you gonna do about the money? Either allow guys to, you know, make money off their likeness, whether it be, you know, doing deals with local dealerships or whatever. You don't have to pay, you know, players directly from the NCAA, but you gotta let them, you know, make money off their likeness. Like I said, with me, when I was on, and I was surviving off a four hundred dollars scholarship check, but everywhere you go on campus, people are wearing your jerseys, and so people, you know, people are filling the stands, you know, holding signs up for you. So. That money has to trickle down to the players, you know, some capacity. And that's why, you know, the agents and all the, the negative stuff that happens because the money's going to find, you know, who's, who's driving that money. So it is what it is. Are you surprised it took this long for the feds to get involved with all that? I am, you know, but the pressure of the, of the public kind of, you know, drives that. I don't think things would change if it wasn't any any outside pressure. You yeah. know, it's old boys league, it's old, you know, old system, so they, they ain't going to try to fix it. I mean, it, talk about being like a player on campus, seeing a coach make two, three million dollars a year, seeing the athletic department make all this money, and you're scraping for ramen noodles, man. It's like, tough. Like, how hard is that? It's tough. Cause you think about it, most college players may not end up being a NBA star or, or whatever, but if they can monetize their likeness in college, either you put it in a the trust, they can they can activate it when they retire, when they uh, get out of school. But they may not be more popular than they are in, in college. You know, somebody like Johnny Menzel could have made millions of dollars off his likeness in college, but didn't didn't pan out too much in in in, in, in NFL. Right. So um, I think I, I think the change is coming. It's only a matter of time. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what the future holds for the NCAA. And, and How the much players. do you think you could have made off your likeness in college? Oh, a million bucks, maybe. If I'm selling jerseys, and I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. I want to see what the the revenue is. You know, the school received. They they got, they got to be open with that. Uh, but you can definitely make six figures, you know, as, as a player, you know, with local business, you know, sponsorship and all that type of stuff. So money can be made. It's interesting you say about Johnny Manziel being as popular as he was in college because people don't think that way. But yeah. it's really true. I mean, there's a lot of dudes that, that go through, whether it's Mizzou or KU, and you see a lot of these KU guys come back and they play, you know, all these pickup games around town because they were popular at Kansas, yeah. but they weren't good enough to go to the next level to play. Yep. And you think about all that money that they could have made to Tim maybe Tebow. set their family up you know yeah, tim tebow was yeah he would kill if he was selling babe jerseys so like i said I, I think you know something's gonna happen like i said because at the end of the day it's a multi-billion dollar industry you know the money has to trickle to find a put uh, this way into the players somehow 
And there, there has to be, too, Kareem, I think, some sort of resentment from the players. Like, like I mean, I know I would if I'm looking at this guy next to me who's the coach and he's making all this money, and there's the athletic director making all this money, and his bunch of goons are making all this money, and we're out here doing all this, and we're not getting anything out of this deal. There's got to be a resentment. I mean, a lot of players are thinking that it's just the, the steps you got to go to get to the NBA. So it's not even like, oh, that's got to deal with this. That's why the one-and-done guys. Like, man, we just, even though it's unfair – it's only a pit stop for us to get into where we need to be, you know. So I think once the NBA kind of adopts the, you know, get, get done with the one and done deal, you know, guys are gonna look at it a little bit differently. Because I, I, I'm not, I'm not opposed to has, having guys be able to go to college for two years and having that be, you know, recommended. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you can do some lot of development in college, but. You still should let guys go out of high school if they're able and willing. You played with a guy, obviously, that went out of high school in Kobe, right? Yeah. He was ready for the He's NBA. Ready. Most guys aren't ready for the NBA. So what would you tell kids that want – because they're going to obviously repeal this one and done and make yeah. it wide open. What's your advice to an 18-year-old kid who's thinking NBA or college? I right think that's now? what the G League is going to be really important for. I think that it's building there. I think – I forgot what the percentage is. Probably 40 to 45% of NBA players have some type of G League experience. So I think that's, that that system – can really do well for the younger guys because the league is very young uh, and young teams don't win. Uh, you, you've seen that. Mm-hmm. you know. So I think the development of G League, them out for more money, I think the salaries are going up there. So it's going to make it more appealing to, to come straight out if you can go right to that system in the, in the G League. You played with Shaq. You played with Kobe, man. I, I want to know stories about Shaq and Kobe. For, first of all, not – their relationship, but when you come in and there's Kobe Bryant, there's Shaquille O'Neal, here's a kid from Kansas City who played at Mizzou, now I'm playing with Shaq and Kobe. Give me your first initial impression when you walked in that locker room and going, oh my God, these are like my childhood well, idols. This is cool. I mean, this is cool. Like, playing for the Lakers is cool. Cause by, by that point, I was me and Josh used to go to L.A. every summer as soon as the uh, uh, the season was done. Yeah. So I was already in L.A., lived with Jerron and all that stuff. So I knew the L.A. scene. Uh, but you know, being a Lakers, it's a completely different deal. I came in right after the three peat, so it was it's pretty hot shit to be you know be the Laker. Yeah. Uh, my first impression of Cole was, I mean, he was arrogant. He was, I mean, he was standoffish, especially the rookies. But you know, from a work ethic perspective, you know, I thought I was gonna come in early. My first day, I'm walking the gym. I'm a couple hours early. But Kobe's out there, you know, four hours before everybody working on footwork. So I'm okay. I understand what it means to really you know dedicate yourself to a profession and re- reason why you he literally learned that on day one. Day one. Like, Kobe in there for four hours. Oh, he been here working on footwork without no ball in the middle of the court. I'm like, okay, I see what this is about. And then Shaq, completely opposite. <laughs> completely opposite. He's <laughs> hella big. <laughs> like, and big brother, fun. Uh, you know, every road trip, there's a, you know, a line of limos outside waiting for us to go to, go to, a, to a party that being hosted by Shaq. You know, we, our first summer league in Vegas, uh, me and Pargo, you know, we're freshly new millionaires. You right. know, but Shaq come giving us money you know so like this is cool so you know from a big brother's perspective Shaq was that guy funny guy the team was cool definitely you know it was, it was, a, it was a separate you know we had a, we had an older guy and we also had young guys but it was, it was a real big man and guard alliance so obviously me being a two guard I was on the Kobe alliance uh, but like I said Shaq was a, a fun guy amazing guy to play with Phil was Phil was crazy uh, you know had me try to have me try to read a, a book my first year I was like man I ain't, I ain't really about this whole reading book stuff what, right. what is this about we, we playing basketball uh, but now, later on, I understand what, the, what he was doing that for. Uh, so looking back, you know, Lakers was definitely my funnest, my funnest moment in the NBA. What was the book he wanted you to read? I forgot what the book was. I, I didn't read it at all. No, but, no, but but he passed not. out books every, you know, begin, the first practice of every year. He gave you a book that post to tell you something about yourself. But like I said, I didn't read the book at that time. So the big man alliance versus the guard alliance. Yeah. Okay, what, what, what is that about? Either you mess with Shaq or you on Kobe's team. It's really like, really like that. So the locker was divided like that. Yeah. Like it was a real, it was a real problem between those two. Even though they didn't show too much on the court, it was a, it was a real feud. And I remember after the, uh, 2004 when we lost to Detroit, we were sitting in the um, in the banquet post game, 
and I'm sitting with Kobe and him. He's like, man, I'm not playing with him next year. You know, three months later, the team is broken up. So it, it was a real issue back then. I think hindsight, they upset that they didn't stay together. But I think we could have definitely won two or three more championships if we kept that team together. Why can't guys put those egos aside? Like, why does it get to that where you know you got something really good going on and then you got, like, like petty bullshit that you're fighting over in the locker room? I mean, with know? Shaq, I mean, with Cole, Cole was chasing Jordan, you know. So up to that point, Shaq had the three MVPs in the finals. Uh, and Kobe didn't have any, you know, so Kobe's like, okay, well, we already won together. Let me see if I can do this alone. And that's what it was. The same thing with Kyrie did with LeBron. Yeah. You know, you know, guys like that want to do it on their own and, and lead the team themselves uh, and have them be the focal point. So that, that's what that was. Does he was it, young. Does it matter to do it on your own, though? I mean, big picture? At this point, no. And Kobe couldn't do it because he hadn't been having Powell and all those guys come in. But he wanted to be the man, the alpha dog. I mean, he had two, he had two alphas with Shaq and Kobe. Those guys were in the prime of their careers together, which is – rare you yeah. see guys like Steph and KD you never find two of the top five players in the league together like that and uh it was a special time for those guys like I said I wish they would have kept the team together so Shaq was more like the fun big brother Kobe yeah. was like the dad he approached it more of like a, a work environment Shaq approached it more as fun which way works better uh they both worked because they won three together and then Kobe ended up winning two you know you don't buy himself so uh, you know, and once Shaq left, uh, you know, I was still close with Luke and all those guys. They're still part of the team. So he eased up a little bit you know, more, started, you know, organizing team dinners because now he was the, the leader. Yeah. And that's all I think all, all he wanted. So limos are lined up. Shaq's passing out cash. What's a party like with Shaq? Oh, my God. <laughs> you don't want to know. <laughs> Full of women. <laughs> Pack, fun. And, you know, for a straight six-month stretch, we just partied everywhere. You know, it, it, was, it, was, it was like really like being rock stars. It, it was cool. Best when, town yeah. to party in. Best town, I would say. Besides L.A., I love yeah. Miami. I love Phoenix. I love Toronto, which I got drafted by Toronto. I was like, man, I, why am I going here? But then I got traded to Lakers later on. But I wish I was. I mean, Toronto was Toronto's a great city. Uh, I would say those are my top three. So New York, obviously. New York, obviously, yeah. yeah. But so, give me more about the party atmosphere. Like, what what's it like? You, you go out after a game, you get in these limos. First of all, who's putting all this together? Like, who's the social chair for all of this? No, I mean they, Shaq's little handler. They set this up months this prior. So every city we go to, the promoters are waiting for us to get there. So, uh, you know, as soon as we get in there, you know, VIP section blocked off for us, and just plenty of people wanting to, you know, come hang out with you guys. So yeah. it was, yes. Yeah. Not, not a bad time. So you get, like, Shaq's leftovers? Is that kind of I, I, I was a rookie, so I, I was good. I, I was a hot rookie there. So, I mean, and Shaq was married at the time. So, no, it was it was plenty to go around for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think a, a lot of people don't, like, even realize, including me, like, what goes on after the game's over. They always say, you know, the after party's where it's at. And you, you hear these stories about the Lakers, but you live these I stories live with the Lakers. After, after the three-peat, so – it was crazy. It was a lot, of, a lot of fun. And as I said, I still got love in L.A. to this day. That's why I never left. You never left L.A. <laughs> never left. L.A.'s yeah. a good place to be, isn't it? It is. It's not bad. Can't beat it. And, and it, it, that also has allowed you to get into other things now. Yeah. You're, you're in the singing. You're doing all kinds of other things. How much of just being in L.A. provides you the opportunity to do other things? I mean, it's one of the entertainment capitals of the world. So, And like I said, a lot of people still remember those six threes in the Western Conference Finals. So, you know, probably – once or twice a week, I hear somebody come to me, oh, man, a little, the six threes, they remind me of that game. So, L.A. is like a second home now, you know, so a lot of opportunities out there. Uh, been, 
you know, you got to go out there and, and hustle. It's interesting to hear you say that about L.A. because you think big city like that, you probably get lost in the shuffle. You know, like in Kansas City, we'll always remember Salvi for his big wild card hit or Hosmer for being a star with the Royals or, you know, maybe this new guy, Mahomes, for the Chiefs will do something spectacular. But for you, like in L.A., there's so much other stuff going on. You really have to, like, make an impression on people in L.A. And yeah. you were able to do that, huh? I would do it. I'm 6'3", like I said. People still remember that. That's my claim to fame. And like I said, Lakers are the pinnacle of celebrity in, in L.A. Regardless of the movie stars, they all sit in courtside trying to watch the Lakers. You know, so back when they were winning, like I said, you got who actually, Halle Berry, Denzel, all knowing your name, Jack Nicholson, all talking to you. Like, they know you. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I said, it's a cool thing to be a Lakers. It's a historic franchise. It carries a lot of weight in L.A. So you're out there playing. You look over. Who who were you like, whoa, holy crap. Halle that, Berry. Yeah. And I perfectly wanted to throw the ball out of bounds so I could run to her lap. Like, I'm a huge Halle Berry fan. But like I said, it was cool to, to have Jack Nicholas say, know your name. Say, hey, how you doing, Kareem? Or Penny Marshall, know who you are. Like, it's, it's cool to be a Laker. Yeah I, yeah, I think it has to be. Did you get any movie roles because of that? Or? I did, did one movie two years ago. This is this is way past my playing days uh, but like i said I, I, they, people know i'm into a, a bunch of different things so the movie is kind of the next logical step for me we'll get back to my conversation with kareem rush in a moment but first i want to tell you about red door grill red door grill has become the go-to spot for my family because they've got something for everyone whether you're a kid whether you're an adult it doesn't matter there's something on the menu that everyone will love at red door grill in fact they've added a new menu item that you know what i personally never like cauliflower but the way that they do it with their spicy sauce and cheese takes cauliflower to the next level and even can convince me to eat it i love it now at red door grill of course happy hour every monday through friday from four until seven you'll get the best drink specials in town and be able to enjoy the appetizers at a discounted price the first saturday of every single month live music at all three red door grill locations and don't forget about five dollar burgers on monday and that jalapeno dip fried chicken that they have every single thursday so red door grill truly does have something for everybody don't forget to check out one of their three locations 159th in Antioch and Overland Park, 119th Street in Leewood, and in the heart of Brookside. And we'll see you at Red Door tonight. So you, you, you took on the singing career. I did. How is that going for you? Singing's going well. Singing's been a bigger passion for me, even more so than basketball. I started singing way before I played basketball. I mean, anybody who knows me know how important singing and music is to me. I sing in the high school choir, uh, you know. So what happened, 2010, I tear my knee up. I'm looking at probably like an 18-month rehab with oh. the ACL microfracture. Um, to really get back on the course, I was like, okay, do I want to go back to school or do I want to pursue this music thing? And being in L.A., I knew a few people in the music business, a uh, few producers. So I, I started off with a little, little demo CD. They loved it. They was like, yeah, we, can, we can put out one of these songs as a single. You'd be interested. I'm like, okay, cool. So we put the song out. It did really well. It was the Billboard Top 40 uh, Charter. So I was like, let me push this music for a couple years. So I did that. It was fun. Didn't really pan out to do much with it. Uh, it was more of a passion type deal. Uh, but fast forward to now i'm thinking about trying out for the voice here in june to really kind of push it so and i and i saw last year they had a football player on there uh-huh. they did pretty well you know so i think the backstory of me being a former NBA guy can, can serve me well you know on, on something like that whose team do you want to be on i would probably choose adam I'm adam fan right. i love maroon five so I, I i sing a couple of his songs when you get out there what are you going to sing what's your tryout song my tryout song probably something like maxwell uh justin timberlake Give me, like a little, give me a little taste. What, what can I sing? Uh, oh, don't we look good together? There's a reason why they watch all night long. 
That's pretty good. Thank you, man. Yeah, keep going. What, what else you got? Different. You said you do Sinatra too, I do right? Buble. G- give me a little Buble. My my wife and I's song was everything for our wedding ten years ago. Do you know everything? I don't know everything. What I'll say. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. And sun in the sky, you know how I feel. And breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me, and I'm feeling good. Nice. Very good. Thank well you, done. Man. Thank very, you, sir. Very Thank good. You, sir. Well done. Well done. So if you get on The Voice and yes. this becomes a big career, will this be a bigger deal than playing in the NBA and playing for the Lakers for you? I think it would be, I wouldn't say bigger. It would be another accomplishment that I, that I set out to do. You know, so I think I can definitely win it. So that's the plan. <laughs> But uh, most part, I just want to have fun with it and, you know, said, get out there and see what I can do. I think it's, I think it's cool to I see the everything. other side. Like, yeah. they, they like guys that kind of do that crossover. You get multiple audiences involved, more people are watching, people it, rooting for you. It is TV, so I understand the back end and the storytelling. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, being a former NBA guy, oh, it, let me move up a few rounds. That's going to put more focus on my music, you know, some singers that I'm putting out. So it can serve it can serve a purpose. And give you a better opportunity, too. Exactly. Well, I want to know more about Kansas City youth basketball when you guys were growing up and you guys were like the big stars here in Kansas City. Yep. What was it like being a Rush brother in high school in Kansas City? I mean, it was cool being Jerron's little brother, you know, from eighth grade on, you know, because at that point he was the number one player in the country. Uh, we got a chance to play with some pretty, you know, high-powered, you know, AAU squads. I mean, one of our squads had – Jerron, Corleone, Young, Corey Maggette, Mike Miller, Earl Watson, uh, Kevin Braswell. Uh, so we had three of the top five players in the country at the time. Like I said, just, just going up, you know, playing with those guys, challenging them, you know, uh, being able to play with that uh, just kind of pushed me as a player. You know, you got you recruited because of that. Uh, and then, But it, like I said, it, it forced me to kind of work hard on my game and kind of build my own name. You know, so it was fun. A lot of good times, you know, the, the Nike stuff, the scandals that we went through. Sucked. Yeah. Uh, you know, having to testify in front of a federal grand jury at 17 sucks, uh, you know. But uh, all in all, looking back for it, I mean, it's, it's part of the deal. Yeah, that Myron Piggy stuff was yeah, really was, out of control, yeah, man. Was what tough. was that like for a kid? You had to go through all that. You thought this guy was, like, leading you the right way, and now you find out, oh, my God. I this mean, is- it was, I mean, it's tough what, what, what happened to him, you know, because at the end of the day, he didn't pay us to play. You know, this is a family friend that they've known us since we were even smaller kids. But, like I said, when money gets involved in sports, you know, somebody took the fall. And, unfortunately, it fell on him. He was doing some crooked stuff anyway. But, for the most part, he had a good heart what he was doing initially. Uh, but when money gets involved, you know, things tend to, you know, steer different ways sometimes. When does it go from having a good heart to realizing, oh, I can make some money off of this to scandal to jail? When, when fucking know? Nike is giving you a check that you didn't expect, <laughs> you running – AU team sponsored by a multimillionaire businessman here in town just to really kind of take care of these kids and, and place them in different places. I mean, it was really about Jerron, Colleone, and, and, and Corey at that point. So, yeah. um, like I said, it's really about the money. How does that? How does it happen? It's like Nike just show up in town one day and they go, all right, we got your guys back. Here's a check. Start doing this and send these guys here, send these guys there. They start sending the shoes. You get sponsorships. And, I mean, that, that back-end stuff you don't really see as a kid, you know, yeah. but runners and agency, that's all stuff involved. Early, early on in, in, in kids' life, especially you know guys like Jerron and, and Colleon, who are you know top ranked players. You know that stuff, that crooked stuff happens early, you know around them. Jerron obviously was the, the first big name to come through here. You follow him, then your brother. The three of you guys, who's the best? In our primes, me. Yeah, they tell you that. Yeah, they tell you. 
They will tell you they that. Will tell Brandon you that. will tell you Brandon that, too. Tell you that. He'll tell you that. Brandon got a championship, though, in Kansas. You know? He did. He did that. Do you but look yeah, at as that? far as, like, playing one-on-one, they don't want to see me. They don't. <laughs> at all. <laughs> Not even – yeah, they, t- they both tell you. Who's the best – yeah, I was way better scorer than all of them. But Brandon could – he's a combination of me and Jerron. Before his – toward both his knees, Brandon was crazy athletic. Yeah. Way more athletic than Jerron. Uh, but as far as – Straight scoring and getting, but yeah, they could. They, they don't want to mess with me. If if Brandon doesn't tear his knee, he probably doesn't come back to KU, does no. he, and win that national championship? Definitely doesn't. Definitely doesn't. Does he like look at that a lot and go, man, if I don't tear my knee, I'm not, uh, you know, a champion? No, nah, I mean, he still made it, you know. So yeah. I mean, you can't. Look, your hindsight is always thing, but uh, I'm happy he came back. Uh, you know, even though I don't like, I hate KU, but I'm happy he got a championship though. Bill, I think that I think if you ask Bill deep down, you know he loves Sharon and Devonte and these guys. But man, every time he talks about Brandon, he smiles and laughs and loves him. What was your relationship with Bill Self like? Uh, I've, I've been not not very close at all. Like I said, I, I keep my distance from any anything associated with KU, uh, even family. Uh, but no, like I said if Brandon would have went to KU. When uh, Coach Williams was there, it would have been a problem. Yeah. Because you know, what happened with Jerron, I was like, that was a, a big no. That couldn't happen. So to come full circle and have Shea playing for Roy in North Carolina is crazy. And I'm sure that, that that cured a lot of bruises for Jerron, you know, and all that stuff. But, I mean, I, I was happy. Brandon loved him. Uh, you know, he still speaks highly of him. Got a chance to, uh, you know, go to his, the, the retirement of Hall of Fame deal up in Springfield. Yep. Him. So, you know, Brandon loves him. So as long as Brandon loves him, that's cool. I'm, I'm what cool was the Roy beef about? I mean, with, with Jerron. Yeah. The whole situation with Jerron called him Roy in the paper. That's what it was. And they stopped recruiting yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, And it was yeah, Howard yeah. Richmond that shouldn't really be asking the 17-year-old kid these type of questions. But, yeah, that, that whole deal went down. They stopped. I mean, I, I know a lot of stuff was, was happening beyond but besides just that, that, that stuff. But, you know, I thought Jerron would do really well at KU. So, Jerron wanted Kansas. He wanted bad. That was the plan, to go to KU. And then he called him Roy, and that, that's right. I remember now that you say that, I'm like, yeah, that was a dumb reason to stop recruiting somebody, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. I think it was some other stuff, you know, behind the scenes going on. You know, Drown was drinking at the time and all that stuff. So I think Roy kind of wanted to distance himself for sure. that, whole, that, that whole situation. So if he would have gone to KU, would you have gone for to sure. KU? 100%. 100%. 100%. So all three of you would have gone to KU? 100%. Yeah. Do you wish you would have gotten to KU a no, little bit? Not no, not at all. Not at all now. Never, huh? never. <laughs> I'm glad I did I believe black and gold. And all my logo is all black and gold. So, yeah, I'm how, happy I went to Mizzou. How is Gerard doing right Gerard now? doing well. Yeah. Excited about, you know, the, the, the academy. Really want to get him back involved in basketball. That's where, you know, he, he feels most comfortable. And like I said, excited to kind of come back here and partner up with him and, and, and build something with him. You went from little brother looking up to Gerard, right? Has the tide kind of turned where you're now little brother and he's looking up to you? And I've saying, always been I've always been big brother regardless of the age group. So even even young, I've always been a responsible one. Uh, and the corner kind of acts as the as the older brother type. My mom tell you like I'm I'm the older brother, uh, you know. So but but anyway, to come back, you know, like I said, be able to build this with him and you know spend time with him and you know it's good for both of us. How did how did that happen where you became the big brother in that situation? I mean, I was always like my, my personality is always that you know drives the wild get and I'm always kind of one settled and, and reserved and. You know, strategic in what I do. You know, so like I said, I've always been the one to kind of steer. You know, what we're doing from the foundation to you know a lot of other things that we're doing as a family. And like I said, it's always been that way. So he just kind of he's he's along for the ride for he's you. Rolling, now. He's rolling. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. good. Man. It's good. Like, I mean, like you, you got to find yourself and do that. You know, any way you can. And yeah. if you're here being his younger brother and now helping him like the older brother, that's a win for everybody, yeah, right? We all, yeah, we all into the, to, to do well for each other. So that's it. So back to the Boys and Girls Club. You yep. guys are going to get honored, get in the, put in the Boys and Girls Club Hall of Fame. Ten years from now, what do you want to have accomplished with the Boys and Girls Club? 
Uh, I hope by 10 years we, just, we have our own academy here in town. Um, you know, maybe have a, you know, an agency. I don't know. Uh, day by day. Like I said, the partnership is now being formed. So we want to see what they want to do. Like I said, first and foremost, we're going to do a lot of camps and free clinics, you know, for the, you know, for the, uh, for the clubs. And then kind of expand and grow from there. Like I said, from the, the prep academy that I have in Oklahoma City, our plan in two years to kind of bring the same thing similar here to Kansas City and, and, and kind of start our own, you know, kind of farm system, you know, you know, recruiting players, you know, training players, and, you know, bringing them up to the ranks. Do you see yourself ever as a true coach? No, no. I'm more the back end running the, yeah. the busy. I Coaching's coach. hard. Yeah, I don't want to watch tape and recruit and do all that. Like, I'm doing it now because I'm, I'm also I'm the AD as well, so I got to do recruiting and all that stuff. But, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm gonna have somebody else do all that. How horrible is recruiting, man? Uh, like you got to go kiss a 16 year old kid's butt. To I had to do it to... yesterday. I'm calling. Oh man, we would love to have you. You can you can build our program. Like I don't even know who you are really, but <laughs> I understand the process of what goes on. So I just want to get him on campus. I said get to get to meet him. Like I said, to help him grow on and off the court. What do you think of Missouri basketball right now? I mean, I was excited last year. You know, having Mike, it, it was it sucked that he didn't get to play as much as he did, but. Yeah. Uh, I, I like Quanzo. I got a chance to speak to him quite a bit last year prior to the season starting. Uh, he wanted to start, you know, program bringing back some of the alumni, which, you know, the school hasn't done a good, good job of doing, mm-hmm. uh, like, like North Carolina do. They always bring their alumni back and kind of create that fraternity going on. So I think Mizzou can, you know, do something similar to that, especially with so many guys still, you know, playing not in the NBA, but also other places around the world. So that was his initial push to me. And, I, and like I said, that, that's, that's, that's going to be the first thing I do here, you know, back in town. But I, mean, I like where we are. You know, we've been up and down. I had so many coaches, but I, I think we got some stability at the coach with Quanzo. We, we can build the program back to where it needs to be. And Quinn has taken what he had as a coaching staff, and now, like, the entire NBA is full of <laughs> former Mizzou assistants. Yeah, I mean, I'm, like I'm saying, we always had – I mean, they always had a great basketball mind. It was really about opportunity. Like I said, uh, with Igor – you know, Quinn doing what he's doing. It's a good representation of the good old black and gold. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Kareem, I appreciate it, my man. Absolutely, man. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with former Missouri standout Kareem Rush. He truly has accomplished a lot when it comes to the game of basketball, and it's awesome that he's interested in giving back to the community that gave so much to him. Coming up on the next episode of the KC Bobcast, we're joined by NASCAR driver and Kansas native Clint Boyd. could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.